You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey all, welcome back to episode 57 of Cards to the Moon, and it is another Friday episode. I'm Clark from Five Card Guys on Instagram, and with me, as usual, is John, who is Trade You at Recess. But missing in action today is Hyung, this week, who is busy getting his new office space ready, which is exciting for us because a part of that space is where we'll be meeting in the future to discuss more content ideas for the podcast as well as coming up with more ways to engage with our audience. So we'll be running the next couple of shows without Chung, but today in this place, we have a special guest coming on a bit later in this episode. His name's Alex, aka Refractor Jones on Instagram. And if you look at his profile, he's got a pretty extensive collection. He's been in the hobby for a while now, having used to work at Beckett. So that's something we can ask him about in our upcoming interview. But off the top, just like last week when we talked about NBA players, we're looking to target in the offseason as more teams get eliminated in the playoffs. I just want to look into the NHL playoffs this time and see if there's anyone we're looking to pick up. John, you're our resident hockey guy on this podcast. Mm. So why don't you start with a couple of players that have impressed you so far in this playoffs and who you're personally targeting? Uh, so as painful as it is, and I don't really want to talk about the Leafs, but the silver line and you know anybody that's not a leaf fan all the folks all the rest of the canadians out there they're probably just laughing at me right now laughing at us right now (laughs) but um the silver lining is that it's quite possible uh, austin matthews cards might might take a bit of a dip as we head into the off season Mm -hmm. especially you know i'm sure maple leaf fans uh, we're probably holding on to their awesome Matthew cards, but those outside of uh, the city might might start to think, uh, I don't know, as good as this guy is, um, he's not a winner. Like Their Leafs are proving that they can't win. So I think maybe that thought process will bring down Matthew's cards a bit more than expected. Um, I don't ha- own any Matthew's cards, and the thought process that I've really been thinking before I mentioned the whole like Ovi versus Sid comparison and how it, it changed, moved in the future... Uh, based on goal scoring, I don't know. It really has me thinking. Maybe I want to try and uh, attack some Austin Matthews. So that's one I'm thinking of. Maybe it's a bit of a homer bias, um, but he's certainly one um, of some of the eliminated teams. I mentioned before. For me, it's the Panthers, man. I think uh, future watch Huberto, future watch uh, Barkov. For me, Barkov especially. I am keeping a keen eye on that one uh, mm. as we head into the card show in a couple of weeks. Uh, if that if that card is around and it's a, got a pr- pretty good price, I'm going to hope to kind of trade into it. But uh, yeah, the Panthers okay. have two two pretty good players that I'm, I'm keeping my out, eye out on. Getting swept by the lightning doesn't sway your decision? It it doesn't, but... Okay. That, again, this is silver lining, right? Like I think when you, when you, <laughs> when you believe in a certain player or when you believe in a certain thought process... Uh, sure, performance sure, in the sure. playoffs shouldn't it shouldn't dictate and actually this should be a good thing for those that have been go- trying to go after these players is that their card might go down more than expected um, so for me yeah. I'm 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 chomping at the bit like that's great for me 
Okay. Yeah, a um, couple guys for me. Uh, Stamkos, I don't know. I think I have a personal bias for Stamkos. You know, he used to be a 50, 60 goal scorer, right? And yep, yep. this team's still going strong. And every time I, well, I watch the Leafs Lightning series and, you know, Stamkos is always in there making moves and, you know, he's he's still with it. So, right. and he, I looked at this BGS 9510 Future Watch card. It's going for 650. So I feel like that's, you know, that's Dang. a good price. Right. right? Um, you know, Rangers, who knows, like, I thought they would be out by now, but they somehow came back and beat the Penguins. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. And now they're, you know, as as of this recording, they're down 2-1 against the Hurricanes. So I'm not yeah. cutting them out again. You know, anything could happen. But if the Rangers yeah. are eliminated, you know, our boy Panarin, we both love him. Uh, he could be a good guy to target. For sure. And uh, I'm going to throw this out there. This is a no-brainer, of course, by saying McDavid. But if you look at his playoff performance, he is like Holy to the next cow. level. Everyone oh is God. talking about, like, if you weren't talking about him already, you're talking about him now, right? right? And I don't know, like, there's going to be a point where he's just, for a lot of people, he's already out of reach in terms of card value. But yep. if he takes another jump, that's going to, yeah, you know, if you can, if I can somehow consolidate my best cards and trade up for McDavid, I might try to do that this year before yeah, before yeah. he goes up even further. For those that don't know what we're talking about, uh, just tune in to the next Edmonton Oilers game. And watch McDavid. He <laughs> yeah. he is on a mission, man. He man, if you, if you guys watch like, you know, when we watched the Leafs fall uh, to Tampa Bay on that same evening, um, was it that evening? Anyways, I watched. Maybe it was the next evening. I watched Game Seven. Uh, no, sorry, was it a? Who did they play? Um, they played the Kings, right? McDavid. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I ended up watching that game. Um, it was late into the night, and. Man, that that kid put on a show. And it wasn't just about being flashy. He was just, <laughs> he was utterly dominant. Every time he came on the ice. And this is the difference in ge- when you watch hockey players. It, when we're talking generational hockey players like Sid Crosby, uh, McDavid. Yeah. They, you notice them every shift. You know, as much as some, some players are superstars. Sure. They disappear here and there on, on certain shifts. But guys like Crosby, guys like McDavid, they're called generational for a reason because literally the moment they step on the ice, you notice them, you notice them backchecking, you notice them pick up the puck, you notice them make a play, um, being dangerous in the offense, whatever you want to call it. So he is proving to the world right now that he is truly generational. There's, I mean, already on, on TSN, which is like the, the you know, the <laughs> Canadian ESPN, there's already some, some guy writing uh, an article about McDavid being the greatest ever already. A bit of a hot take. Okay. (laughs) A bit of a hot take. But that's the kind of impression the kid is making on everybody, right? So, yeah. It's a hot take. But I mean, another podcast I was listening to, um, someone asked the question, you know, uh, when you look at McDavid's playoff performance and just the way he's played so far in his career, who else can you compare him to? And everyone's like, um, Gretzky, Lemieux, and then that's it. You know, like he's already in that conversation. (laughs) If he's not there, he's like top three already in terms of, uh, yeah, just the impression that he's made on hockey analysts and, yeah, just hockey fans in general. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we'll see how the rest of the NHL playoffs plays out and what the offseason does to some of these hockey card values. All right, without further ado, let's go to our interview with our special guest today, Refractor Jones. Okay, it's our pleasure to welcome Alex to the podcast, aka Refractor Jones on Instagram. 
with more than 11,000 followers. And if you read his bio, he's been in the hobby dating back to 1979. And he's grown a particular fondness for refractors, as his name suggests, and also inserts from the 1990s. Just take a look at his IG page and you'll see how impressive his collection is. He also used to work as a regional basketball analyst for Beckett. So we'll ask him about that and what that involves. But before we do, Alex, thanks for coming on to our show. Thank you for having me, guys. With our guests, we always like to start from the beginning. Um, when did you actually start collecting and what got you hooked in the hobby? Any particular player or was there a card or a set that got you in? No, for me, it, it was my grandmother. My my grandmother's the one who uh, who was a big influence in my life. So in 1979, of course, and I'm going to predate myself again. I, uh, I I really didn't know what a baseball card was, and she took me to a downtown Fullerton baseball card store and introduced me to that shiny cardboard that we all love today. So, okay, so that's how you got started. Um, your bio also mentions that you were a former regional basketball analyst for Beckett. So just curious, what did you do exactly in that role? Well, I'm, basically, I worked for free for Dr. Beckett for quite a few years, <laughs> okay. is, is, what it, is what it turned out to be. Um, it, at the time, you know, back in 1990, you know, it's when the, the first release of the Basketball Beckett magazine came out. Um, we, we really didn't have basketball guys at, at Beckett. There was more baseball mm -hmm. guys and more football guys, of course. So basketball wasn't a very sought after sport as far as card collecting. And of course I loved basketball. I mean, I, I always loved basketball because Lakers were my favorite team growing up showtime. And uh, so I, for, for me, it, it was just easy because I, I was always involved in basketball. I was always around it, even though I, you know, I never played it, but I just loved watching the game. So you know, Showtime and, and, and Jordan were, were always my guys. So yeah. for, for me, it was real easy to, you know, to fall in and, and basically I got pretty lucky because of course I had the knowledge of, of the refractors and, and all also. So, and that came a few years later, of course, in, in 93, when, when they all came out. Okay, cool. So did you actually write for the magazine at the time or? No, I, what I did was I, being an analyst, you, we would go collect data. So we would go to basic card shows. And of course the internet wasn't the internet. So the, the only mm -hmm. way for us to, to find out what items were selling for was traveling the country and, and going to shows, wow. you know, and, and at that time, the market is nothing like what it is today. I mean, it, everybody was selling at 50% of whatever the Beckett was, was priced out at. Right. And so Beckett was really just kind of a, a little leverage tool for, for you to kind of a guide for, for you to follow it. But it was pretty norm that it was 50% straight across the board. So when, when the numbers were all gathered up, as far as Beckett, you know, was concerned, they, they kind of sometimes had to inflate the numbers a little bit higher than, hmm. than they were. And that's, of course, that's when you would see the, the up arrows or, or the down arrows in, in the magazine. And of course, everybody always waited you know, patiently for that every month. Yeah, I totally remember that. The that that was the sports card bible at the time, right? All right. Wait a minute. So you you were the one that came up with the pricing for basketball Beckett? 
Well, myself and and there was a team of four or five guys, but the majority of the data that was collected were by us that would travel right. around to shows. They, Beckett would also contact wow. hobby shops as well, and and would and would ask them and say, "Hey, what what do you feel is selling in the basketball market?" And hmm. and they would collect that data as as well. You know, they would all go to Dallas. And, they would put it all together and it would get thrown into the magazine. Yeah. Wow. That's... My, my, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> I was too. always, <laughs> I was always wondering how Beckett came up with their pricing and we just got our answer. That's incredible. <laughs> it, it was really a, a team effort. It, it, it wasn't done by, you know, just one person. It, there's no way that it could have been done by one person. It truly had to be, you know, it, it was the only way to yeah, organize it and collect data was to be able to pick up that phone and mm. call, you know, hobby shops or travel to, to shows, you know, and, and, and find out what, what is actually selling and what's hot and what's not. And I'm sure you remember that in the magazine as well. Right. Oh my I gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, no, I'm, I'm glad uh, uh, we got that uh, insight from you. I wish I knew that when I was a kid, cause I had no idea how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just want to go back to um, what you said earlier uh, about how you got into the hobby and how you're just kind of really attracted to the refractor cards, the shiny cardboard, as you said. Um, what is it about the refractor cards or the refractor parallels that really got your attention? And uh, when did you decide that's what you wanted to really focus on collecting um, in the hobby? Well, truthfully, I, I, I really shouldn't just say that I'm exclusively a, a refractor collector because, okay. you know, I... I I know we had to kind of postpone this this whole interview here uh, a week because I was of course traveling the country buying you mm. know collections, and I'm I'm a card hoarder. I'm I'm terrible okay. in in the worst way. Like okay. in one of in one in one of my card rooms, I I probably have at least 500 plus wax boxes just sitting in oh, you know, just wow. sitting here and 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 it's just terrible because the amount of stuff that I just brought in. I brought a 26 foot U-Haul, and Wow. And, and I had it. It took me three days to unload it. And of course, I broke it all down. It took me about a week and mm-hmm. got what I wanted out of it. The rest, I put it together and, you know, we send it to make a wish. And, you know, we'll, we'll do Ronald McDonald's house. And we and I also do some things with a local children's hospital. And oh, cool. Pack, package cars together and, and, and give them away to kids and stuff. But I, I'm not exclusively, you know, refractors. I love okay. refractors, of course. I have a little bit over 250,000. So, you know, for, wow. for me, I don't, I don't care whether it's a, a common refactor or a star refactor because I enjoy building the, the actual sets. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to save that question until the, until the end, but um, you just mentioned you came back on a road trip, I guess, uh, and you came back with a big haul. Um, uh, what, what kind of um, cards did you come back with? I'm really from about the late sixties all, all the way to about, 2015 and and it was all primarily just facebook marketplace ads that and initially what i did was i had a a collection contact that was out in florida so i had to go out to florida and i went out there and what i did was once i got out there i rented a u-haul from there and then drove back across the country back back to vegas and i just hit you know every every state along the way jumping on facebook marketplace and then just buying as much as i could that's uh, yeah. That sounds wow. like a quite the road trip. Um, <laughs> is 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 it uh, to complete some of your sets that you're talking about? Is that what you're trying to do? 
No, you know, it, for me, like I just said, I'm a cardboard hoarder. I, I, honest to God, when I tell you, I, you know, we, we really need to do a video someday just to show you the amount of, of, of just quantity of, of cardboard mm-hmm. that I have. But I, I have four rooms in my home. So I ended up ended up moving to to my new home. I sold a two thousand square foot home to move into a thirty five hundred square foot home, <laughs> wow. so I can just accommodate my sports cards. And it's wow. it's just it's crazy, you know. I don't I don't sell. At one time I used to sell, you know. I when when I was a Beckett regional analyst, I had I had my own store, and it was uh, Jordan's Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. and I, I did sell cards at the, at that time. But as I got older, you know, I I just didn't want to sell cards, and I just wanted to keep cards and you know, cards for me are, are enjoyment and it's, it's my getaway from real life. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely a true collector for sure. Um, uh, now, you know, you raise an interesting point these days, a lot of collectors don't really set builds because, um, you know, there are so many cards issued with multiple variations, uh, especially in these newer sets, but correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, I feel like it was more doable with older sets that had like a defined number of cards in the set with a decent size checklist i'm just curious what is it about completing a set that you enjoy that process you know and and do you ever get frustrated if there are some cards that seem impossible to find or do you like that challenge yeah as far as the refractors there there are definitely sets out there that just you know crush me and kill me my my favorite of course is the 93 you know finest basketball refractor set mm. um i've 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 built 15 of those sets and and i'm working on three graded sets right now one from sgc one from psa and and one from beckett so i it's like i'm getting bored now building the actual sets so i, I said well no, i'm gonna just grade them and, and grade some out and then start building them in, in graded form now but Right. I'm really not. I'm really not getting bored. Truthfully, I, you know, I love them. You know, if you look at my Instagram, you'll you'll see that I'm constantly buying. I was at Burbank uh, Sports Cards a few months ago, and it's about four or five months ago, and and I bought. Uh, Rob sold me twenty thousand refractors. I went out there. Oh. So, yeah. I'd, if, for me, every time I hit the national, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I usually because i've i've been to 20 plus nationals now so i've, I've been all the way oh, okay. back from you know in the 80s to in, in anaheim i'll all what i'll do is i'll i'll fly in or, or wherever i'm going and then i'll just pallet stuff up and ship it all back home and then when i get home i've, I've got my goodies waiting for me to play with <laughs> i like that i like that well, what are you going to do when you run out of room i'm just curious Move to a bigger place, right? I'm I'm, I'm going to buy a bigger house. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, that's what I did. You know, I, I'm telling you, I went I went from 1,900 square feet to 3,500 square feet. Now, and, and and that's that's my main house. And then I have two casitas in 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 the back that 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 I'm also you know converting and working on right now. And I said, well, maybe I can turn those into card rooms also. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I, I I truly do have more than just sports cards because when I I used to work as a clubhouse uh, manager in in professional baseball. Okay. At the trip at the AAA level, you know, mm-hmm. with the San Diego Padres and stuff here in, in Vegas. Cool. And I, I have easily 500 plus game worn uniforms. I mean, mm, I, I wow. just have just a ton of stuff. But of course, you know, I I just don't I don't sell any of that stuff. You know, these all these guys, you know, they have meaning to me, you know, and all these things. So, but I would yeah. love to be able to display all these all these uniforms. You know, I. But my favorite uniform game use uniform I have, I have an 86 Magic Johnson uh, game worn road. Wow, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. But that's my favorite, my favorite piece. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, wow. If you could see me, my jaws floored. It just I didn't know that was the extent to, of of your collection. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, I'm, I'm I'm truly not just refractors. Not, I mean, not not at all. You right. Know? I, I'm I'm truly I'm I'm very private. You know, with my collection, I I don't do a lot of you know uh, podcasts and, and I, I don't do a lot of stuff because I'm I'm not one of those rah rah kind of guys and and say look, sure, look sure. at me and that type of stuff. Because uh, truthfully, if, if you're telling me that you're looking for a card, and many of many people can attest to this, and, and they can say, "Hey, Alex, I'm I'm looking for this. If I have multiples of it, it's in the mail, and I've sent it to you. You know, I, I it's just great. what I do. You know, it's mm-hmm. what the hobby's about. You know, and it's so when, of course, being that I can't take them all with me, you know, someday when I'm no longer around, you know, my kids will have to decide what what they're going to do with with mm-hmm. all this stuff, but my collection will always live on in somebody else's collection the way I look at it. So that's why I, I, right. I always try to make sure that I gift, you know, to others to, to, to keep the hobby strong. Yeah. That's amazing to hear. And, uh, you know, like I think I read on one of your Instagram posts that you were planning to post uh, a new refractor each day. I was wondering how you would do that, but now it makes total sense. You, you don't have uh you have plenty to do that with. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got for like the next 20 years easy. I mean, it's not going to be uh, any not a problem. soon that I'm going to run out <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. Uh, John, you had a couple of questions, right? Yeah, you, you know, Alex, um, <clears throat> I'm dating myself as well, but I've talked about this on the podcast many times. Um, I collected... Uh, 95 and 96 and 97 finest basketball. Okay. Uh, it was it was a wonderful time. I, I was a I was a teenager. Um, started collecting when did I start collecting? Like around 89. Obviously, I, I started around when kind of my age group got into it after the Ken Griffey 89 upper deck. Right. And then most of my friends, you know, started to kind of spill away in like 93. And I kept going pretty strong and I got into finest. And that's why I appreciate looking at your mm-hmm. um, IG account is like this. This is the memory that I had, like ripping, purchasing hobby boxes, ripping it, trying to. I'm pretty sure. And you can you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was two refractors per box. Two ref- um, uh, on on some of the of of the basketball, it, it was two. But there was regional boxes also for the '93 finest. You know, people didn't didn't know this. There's right. there's regional short print refractors and there's regular short print refractors, and then of course there's the uh, SSPs. You know, the real mm-hmm. super super right, you know, right. short print refractors. But it it was falling anywhere from two to six to the jumbos were sometimes anywhere from eight to eight to ten. Right. Yeah, so ninety, so ninety three. I still collecting upper deck, and I didn't realize finest was a thing until about ninety five, uh, and I think at that time here in Canada it was about twenty twenty fifteen to twenty dollars a pack, and right. you know going from packs that cost like a dollar to two dollars to like twenty fifteen twenty, <laughs> it really blew my mind. Like it opened my eyes to this whole new world of high end uh, card sets, and I was I was hooked right away. Obviously. I couldn't collect for too long because as a teenager, uh, you only have so much money to be purchasing, you know, hobby boxes of like 96, 97. But anyways, um, getting to the question, um, what is, I'm really curious just looking at your Instagram account, what is like your most prized sports card? And it doesn't have to be value. It could be maybe like a, a, a great PC or a good story behind it either prize card or like your best or your favorite refractor card. 
well, for me, it's, it's just my first baseball card that I ever owned. And, and that's the 1971 tops Pete Rose. And it, and it stays on my, right on my screening table. Mm-hmm. It, it's big deal. It's a $50, $60 card, you know, just in, in raw form. But to me, and I still have that card, you know, and sure. there's you, you couldn't pry that card out of my hand. Yeah, there, there's no <laughs> amount of money that, that would take, because, you know, as soon as I give up that card, I, I've officially given up a piece of me that no longer exists. And, mm, and that's right. that that right there is my pure childhood. And and in, every time that I look at that that card on on here on my table, it just takes me back to 1979 when when I was fortunate enough to to be gifted that card by a sports card store owner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can uh, I can appreciate that thought process. I uh, <clears throat> one of my greatest chases was the 96 Kobe uh, Topps Finest. And uh, if anybody knows me on this podcast, I am uh, very, I'm a very finicky collector. I'm not as much of a purist as Alex. I I love, I love my perfect tens, you know, like a PSA nine bothers me a lot. But with that Kobe, I I ended up getting it graded and it got a PSA nine. And normally that would really, really bother me. But because that was the card that I pulled that I chased back in 96, um, mm. I love it, and it's a card that I would never sell. It's a card that it's going to be in my collection for forever. So I can appreciate what you're saying there, Alex. Yeah, totally I, yeah. I'm, you know, truly, my most my most valuable card is, is probably my Satchel Page rookie that that I have. I don't have the Leaf. I, I have the regular, you know, and I, I would love to have the you know the 48 Leaf Satchel. And that's mm. that's my my Amazing, Grail card yeah. that I. Yeah, that I don't have in, in my collection. I do have a, I have a 52 mantle and uh, it's PSA wow. five. Wow. Um, wow. So, I mean, I, my stuff, and I don't know if you guys were familiar with, with uh, Al Rose and Mr. Mint at, at all, but Mr. Mint used to travel the country and he would buy up everything vintage and, and he hmm. would just accumulate everything if you guys ever ever get a chance and and even the listener just go on youtube and and just punch in you know al rosen mr mint and look at some of the videos that of of the stuff that this man was able to acquire over the years i know a lot of people didn't didn't care for him but as a kid i mean he was always kind to me you know he'd he'd always say what do you got kid i'd I'd walk up to the table and i'd show him he goes yep you got junk (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, he, he was one of those purists. He, he was just one of those guys that was up front <laughs> and no, didn't didn't be around the bush. But Told you straight. You sure. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I was also going to ask, and, and you kind of half answered my question in earlier when you were talking, because um, when I look at your Instagram account, obviously some of your older posts, I see some graded cards, but uh, yeah. most of your newer posts, um, there aren't many graded cards. So how do you feel? I know you're starting to submit to get some car- some of your sets graded. Um, how do you feel about graded? Are you, do you collect graded or are you, you know, either way, is it raw graded? How, how do you feel about both? You, you know what, my, for me, it, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I, of course I want to preserve my stuff and just like everyone else, it, it truthfully for me, it's, it's not about the grade. It, it never was mm-hmm. because I, I've, I've always been a collector true at heart, you know, even though I was on the other side of the table at one time, you know, because I've, I didn't want to work for a living. I was like, well, no, I don't want to go work for a living. I'd rather play with, you know, cardboard all the time. So I opened up the store <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, and I did that for a few years and then found out that traveling and, and 
you know, and doing everything was just not real conducive to having a store. So, you know, I ended up giving up the store and that, and I kept doing the, you know, the whole the show circuit and just kept traveling around and buying and flipping and, and playing and, and doing that kind of stuff. But grading for me, you know, truthfully, it's, it's about preservation more, more than anything. And, right. and I have a five year, I have a five year rule as far as, as grading. So, you know, a lot of people now, of course, they're going to, they're going to jump on something, uh, you know, 2022 item and they're going to grade it right away and, and try to cash out. But, you know, for me, the money's always been there in the hobby. It's, it's never gone away. And the way I, I, you know, put a grasp on, on all this, I don't grade anything out for five years. So if, if the item comes out in 2022, I'm not going to grade it out until, you know, 2027. And I'm right. and my five, my five-year rule is, is the reason why I do this. I'm able to buy more of those cards because if I truly believe in that so-called player or set or whatever that I'm buying, I'm able to buy more of that stuff and I could just right. sock it away, you know, and I play the game. So that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, like you're probably one of the truer collectors that we've talked to on the show and, Definitely. and, uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of times it is about, um, investing in cards and flipping, um, just want to get your thoughts on the hobby and how that's kind of, um, I don't know, it's kind of changed uh, in that sense where there's a lot more investors coming into the space. Uh, do you feel one way or another about that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people that, that wants to poo-poo on, on, on anyone that wants to come into this hobby because mm-hmm. anyone that comes into this hobby means it's, it's more eyes. It's more opportunities, you know, for you to acquire other things. Sure. And, I, and I know a lot of people get upset, you know, that it's, like, oh, well, you know, you're paying X amount of dollars for, for this box to open this. You don't have to open up a box of cards to, to be happy. You can go to a show. You can, you can live in a dollar box. You can right. live in a 50 cent box and, and pull out some great stuff. There's plenty of 50 cent boxes at the National. And yeah. I can attest to this, that there's cards that are 20, 30, 40, $50 cards that are just dumped in there. The guys buy multiple, you know, collections and they just want to liquidate the stuff. Mm. So, you know, if, if you were a, a bargain bin box hunter, you could do fantastic. But I'm not opposed to, you know, all the, you know, all the new money that's that's coming in. What I'm opposed to is is people, you know, doing the the ultra hype, you know, or trying to push anything on on you saying, you know, you should collect this or you you should collect this. You collect what you want to collect. Enjoy the hobby. That's why you're in the hobby, first and foremost. I mean, at least for me. Yeah. No, I'm glad you say that. We always say on this show, collect what you love first and foremost. And then, you know, if the the value decreases, uh, you still love the player. So it's a win-win in that case, right? Yeah. Let me me tell you a little story. I don't mean to interrupt you here, but, you know, I'm not a LeBron guy. I, I don't like oh, LeBron. Just like John. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not. But I did I capitalize on, on LeBron stuff? Yep. Did I sell, you know, his gold refractors, his rookie refractors and, and, and his blacks? Yes, I did. And you know what? It, it, and you know what I turned that money into? I bought I bought homes with with that money. So, you right. know, he may not he not, he may not be my favorite guy. But, you know, when I ended up selling those, I paid cash for homes because because of those cards yeah so you know and at the time i i bought those cards you know for under a couple hundred bucks when, when they first wow, came crazy out. Wow. you know yeah. so you know if people stay in this hobby just for the long term and and always make it a long play that's the way i look at it you're mm-hmm. always going to come out on top always 
Yeah. Right. Good advice. Good advice. Are you doing this full time right now? I know you you go on road trips, but is it are you, is the hobby able to sustain what you're doing right now? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm a liquidator by trade, so I sure. when 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 a bank calls me or you know they say, hey, look, we have a whole we have a home, we have this business that needs to be liquidated. I'll I go in, do the evaluation, put a number on it, and and, and then I move on, which is great because it allows me to travel the country and and go out and see you know what's out there. Ah. Uh. That's awesome. Makes sense. John, any last questions from you? Uh, Alex, do you, um, <clears throat> seeing that you used to sell, do you have any cards or a particular card that you regret selling that you mm, may have not question. been able to get back? Uh, you're going to kill me with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've got I've got some cards that, that absolutely haunt me, you know, and, and they're uh, 52, 53, 54, were red man's you know so the red man series hmm. they had little tabs on them i had probably easily about a thousand of them that i ended wow. up picking up at, at, at an antique store in Crazy. pennsylvania and and i bought them back she's probably in mid mid 2000 like 2003 2004 right around when you know lebron came out um, and I, and I found these and they were a buck a piece. The lady goes, uh, I'll sell you these for a buck a piece. And, and truly at that time, most of the guys like the, um, Ted Williams, he was booking at like 75 to hundred bucks. You know, it, it wasn't a big deal, Okay. but I had, I had multiples. I had anywhere from like seven to eight Ted Williams, uh, the wow. Willie Mays. I, I, there was 12. I, and I can remember the number Holy. because those are the things that I just absolutely regret that those are the only things that didn't stay in my collection and and i should have and and that's why i am what i am now because mm. you know you cold day and and you know h double e hockey sticks before you're going to get anything <laughs> out of me because i'm not going to lose something ever again and, and regret it for the rest of my life so yeah, of course yeah. me losing all those those tobacco redmonds it, it just crushed me right sorry i brought that up <laughs> reliving a painful memory <laughs> yeah and and, tr and i try to find them now and and you can't you you'll find them without the tabs and and of course any of the nice ones have already been graded and they're already four figures and above you know right. when when they're out there so it's it's like forget it you know i i had just an amazing amount of them and i got lucky and I, I shouldn't have done what I did. I got greedy. <laughs> and of course, it was, you know, it, it was because I, I could make money on them. And, and being a, a young dad and, and having kids, I was like, well, let me turn over some of that money. You know, I got to make sure, sure everyone else eats here, because if not, everyone's going to start eating cardboard. Right. <laughs> we get it. We get it for sure. Alex, we really appreciate your time. Uh, before you leave, um, we always like to do a lightning round, if that's okay with you. Just uh, want to get to know a little bit more sure. about you as a collector. Um, all right, so the first one, favorite PC card at the moment? I know you have a lot to choose from, so I know this yeah. one's a little bit harder. How, how about I just go with my favorite set, my 93 sure. Finest Refactors. My 93 Finest Refactors sets, yeah. 15 and counting. Okay. Good choice, wow. Uh, well, that was my next question. Favorite sports card refractor. So I, I believe on your Instagram, you said 9394 basketball. Is that right? Finest? That is. Yep. What What is it about that set? Uh, just curious that you do you particularly like. 
well because it was the first of of course being you know the, the first release of, of okay. finest but more importantly because they weren't labeled as refractors people had no idea that that they had refractors so when mm. i was out and and buying stuff because you got to remember when baseball fell it was one per box right. for the 90 for 93 baseball so and again people didn't really care too much about basketball everybody was like eh, it's basketball's basketball hmm. you know jordan right. jordan's the only guy yeah so you you could buy them at shows for nothing i i was buying them you know for a quarter 50 cents dime they were in dime boxes <laughs> crazy I, I, yeah I, I was getting stuff like it. i can remember buying jordan's for 50 to 75 dollars no a, refra- a, a refractor yeah but people didn't know there was a refractor of course because they weren't labeled Right, you know, right. they were like, "Holy, look! Mm. This is a shiny finest card. It's Jordan's first shiny finest card. Fifty bucks. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm paying fifty bucks." <laughs> okay. What um, year is uh, What year is ninety three? Is that is that the Chris Weber Penny year? Yep, right. Chris Weber and and Penny Hardaway. Chris Weber right. was uh, number two two twelve, and uh, Penny Hardaway went one eighty nine. There you go. I wish I knew. I wish I knew about finest, and I think I was collecting Stadium Club. Uh, (laughs) well you got you got out cheap because you know finest was ridiculous it was it was that big first hundred dollar plus box on on the market you know before uh upper deck you know with 89 griffey you know being the the big chase that that turned into a 75 dollar box at at the time but the true first hundred dollar box was was top's finest wow okay um underrated card that you feel deserves more love from the hobby or set that's a good question um you know i'm i'm gonna go with the being the most underrated for me is what you see as in value in your collection Hmm. because a lot a lot of people put you know the value of their collection being x amount of dollars and it's not it's truly not it's not about those those dollars it's about the the time and and the pleasure that the cards give you and you're able to connect with other guys and sometimes even you know try to pull your family into it i I tried to pull my daughters into it they didn't want any part of it but you know (laughs) fair enough good answer good answer um your thoughts on the future of the hobby you you know uh I'm, again, I'm not a poo-poo guy, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that, that will sit on the fence and watch what everybody else is doing, and and, and then go from there. But the the future of the hobby is strong if you're getting into it for the right reasons. If you're getting into it because you want to cash in, then then don't even get into the hobby truly, mm-hmm. because you're you're not going to make money. If if you're thinking you're going to make money. You better have a, you know six figures is sitting behind you to to make money. Get into yeah. this hobby and enjoy it, and truly the money will come along the way. It it always does. You you can't lose. Yeah, that's good advice too. Um, and uh, lastly, for us, uh, we're actually based out of Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. Just want to ask you any uh, Raptors that you that you particularly like. Yeah, no, you know my my favorite, you know t- Toronto Raptor, <laughs> truthfully, was Tracy McGrady. McGrady, T Mac, okay. Yeah, Tracy McGrady, McGrady ninety seven finest. All right. Yeah, yeah. T Mac, T Mac was my favorite guy. You know, I I love all those guys that come straight out of high school. You know, I I was one yeah. of those guys. Just was always bought into those guys. You're uh, you're you're in a VC guy, eh? Hey, you know what? I'm I'm okay with Vince Carter, but you know, poor Vince, man. He he stayed in the league too long. 
Yeah. I mean, he just, mm. you know, and, and who does, you know, who's to blame him? He, he stayed because he loved the game. So he did it for the sure. right reason. Right, right. But he, but he could dunk. Oh, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Highlight reels for days, for sure. Uh, Alex, again, uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, love your collection. Uh, love your heart for the hobby. Um, and uh, yeah, we definitely learned a, a lot of things um, from just your perspective as a true collector. So again, Alex, thanks so much and uh, hope to connect soon with you. Thank you for inviting me that stuff. And, and I really don't do a lot of interview. Kind of, and, and for me, the hobby is a hobby first. And again, the money always comes later on. You're, you're not going to miss. Just keep throwing that dart on that board. You'll, you'll hit. Again, for me, the hobby is, has never been a money thing. So uh, I want to stress, uh, just get this out to, to people to understand. Enjoy the hobby. The hobby will bring mm. you friends. The hobby will, will, will give you pleasure. The, but the hobby will, will also open other doors for you because mm-hmm. many people don't don't actually recognize that there are closet collectors out there. You know, we used to all be nerds for, for collecting a piece of cardboard. Right. We're no longer nerds. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's the that's debatable probably, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna admit it. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. And oh, yeah, man. for all those listening, uh, you could check out uh, Alex's um, Instagram page. It's at Refractor Jones, all one word. And uh, yeah, you'll be impressed with his collection and, and can't wait to see what other cards you have um, just in your boxes. And uh, good luck with organizing everything. Yeah, I'll, I'll need it. You guys don't want to come <laughs> down and help, do you? <laughs> well, we're, we're, when we're in Vegas next time, maybe we'll drop by. Well, just absolutely. To see it. The next time you guys are in Vegas, absolutely. You can come over and check out the horde and Come help me do some help help me do some sorting. (laughs) We definitely will. Appreciate it. Alright, thank you guys. Okay, another big thanks to Alex, aka Refractor Jones, who provided some great insight in how the hobby has evolved over the past couple decades. And we look forward to connecting with him again in the near future. Alright, that actually wraps up our Friday show. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Once again, we appreciate y'all subscribing to our podcast and giving us five stars. It will definitely help us out a lot. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with a new show on Tuesday. See you later. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at 5cardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at TradeU at Recess. You can also check us out at 5cardguys.com. Thanks again, and hope to connect soon.